0: welcome to marketing without the marketing really glad that you could be here you know last week I talked about having a special guest and I'm delighted to invite Louis Lavella of Lavella nightlife and music marketing here uh, you know Louis's got 20 years of experience in the entertainment industry producing live events doing online and social media marketing in the nightlife and music industry producing concerts festivals nightclub events but also, as well, some keynotes, panel discussions, hands-on workshops, as well, and a couple of things that I like about Louis and why I wanted to have him on the show is that, well, one, Louis does events, which doesn't get covered a lot in digital marketing, and he has this sort of direct, practical, sort of cut right through it strategy, you know, and some of these strategies are are, are very counterintuitive, which which I like, and. You know, though I tend to favor some counterintuitive strategies as well, there are some things about Louis's approach where, you know, we have differing opinions, and I thought that this was a great opportunity to highlight a different voice in a different sector from an accomplished marketer like Louis. So, you know, I hope that you'll learn something here. I'm expecting to as well. So, Louis, welcome. I'm really glad that you could join us. Hey,
1: thanks for having me on the show and thanks for everybody out there uh, taking the time out to listen. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be on and, and share some, some of my opinions and absolutely some of my experiences as well.
0: Oh, cool. All right, well, let's get right to it then. The first thing that I want to talk about, Louis, just in, in this sort of counterintuitive uh, content marketing strategies, you know, I'm really fascinated by the concept of using events in digital business, right? There's such an opportunity to create a community, Give people a sense of belonging and even a little bit of sort of exclusivity, if you will. But you don't hear a lot of this in the content marketing space. So for those people who are running exclusively digital small businesses, how do you sort of harness the power and philosophy of, of, of event marketing, in your opinion?
1: Yeah, I think events, like you just mentioned, is is a is a huge way to connect with people. And we think of events as in person kind of concepts whether it's I'm building festivals or <clears throat> consumer trade shows or in the in the business aspect you're thinking of business conferences and networking events and it's very face to face where and they're fantastic things to do and I, I encourage anybody who has an opportunity to either be a part of one or build an event uh, for yourself it's strong but you're right in the digital sense and even myself as an entrepreneur you know I still need to get clients who are festival owners or business owners globally. So I need to create events that are digitally. And I think a lot of people out there are familiar with the the webinar and things like that where you're creating digital events. But there's something to be said about the user behavior of the tiniest event, which could just be a Facebook post and people conversing on that within the comments. That's a if you have a small event, you know, kind of mentality with each post that goes out sometimes you can harness that create more business create more branding or, or whatever the the post goal is but we don't have to always think about events as just this 30,000 person festival or you know conference right we, we can kind of think from one end to the other mm-hmm. if you have that mentality of connecting with people and engaging with people and I think that's the the core goal to have in mind
0: yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, uh, I, I see that on your site in particular um, and on your Facebook page. You use uh, Facebook Live, for instance, and I really like the way that you do that. And even the the sort of the the new 360 feature. Mm-hmm. Um, could you talk a, a little bit about that? Because, you know, when you think of the tool set that you use, uh, that makes a difference to you know. You got to try to find your audience where they might be. So there's sort of the tool itself and what it can do, its capabilities, uh, but also you're kind of looking for where your audience is, and that's smart for you since you do pretty well on Facebook. So could you talk a little bit about that?
1: Absolutely, and I, I think you you hit it right on the the head there of knowing where your audience is. So for me, Facebook is is probably the biggest player, especially. B2B and B2C, then I expand from there into Instagram and Snapchat. Now, I have Twitter and a great amount of followers, and I have LinkedIn, but those two are sort of side businesses to where my audience is uh, you know my b2b people are obviously on linkedin and twitter but they don't play in that sandbox as much as facebook for example so you're right to say you know absolutely facebook's big for me and it's because i know where my audience is so your audience could be on linkedin primarily because it could be business owners and and you could play in that sandbox and you're in the groups and you're posting and engaging and that's fantastic so i do get the question of Which is the best social media platform? And the simple answer is where your audience is. That's really the answer, right? Right. But within those platforms, there are a lot of tools. Like you mentioned, you know, Facebook Live is obviously a big tool uh, to utilize. And Periscope was absolutely large for me when I did play around with that platform and it was connecting to Twitter. But since everybody's on Facebook, for me, Facebook Live was a great tool that they added on. I've already pre-built a large audience on Instagram as I was growing Snapchat. Obviously, Zuckerberg came out with some copycat features on Instagram. But what that has done for me is not have to worry about another platform for my B2B people. They're already on Instagram, and I can utilize those tools. So you really have to know where your audience is. You know, and speaking about the 360 video on Facebook Live, I see a lot of People just posting on Facebook Live, and it's sort of the talking head, but there's not a lot of engagement in the the comments. Right, right, right. You know, and to me, why don't you just have a polished video and post it, right, instead of going live? Now, I get the fact that Facebook is favoring live in the news feed, so I get that part. But sooner or later, that's going to change where it's just the same as maybe some of the other post types, and you may not be used to using Facebook Live the way it's supposed to be used. As an example, I work with festivals and I work with nightclubs and whatnot. And they're doing a Facebook Live of their nightclub DJ playing. And, you know, the audio sucks, the, the visuals suck, <laughs> And I'm thinking, what is somebody getting out of this other than a beautiful picture or a completed two-minute after movie of this, you know, the girls dancing in slow-mo? That sucks me in visually, do you know what I mean? As opposed to this really bad garbage Facebook Live just because Facebook Live is a tool to use. I would rather see the behind the scenes. Oh, hey, here's the big name DJ behind the scenes. You wanna do a Q and A for three minutes? He's about to go on stage. That to me is content for Facebook Live. So I think people have to really utilize the tools properly. And you know, for the 360 video, it's just a very cool new thing that people are just paying attention to because it's different. So I did a couple of videos while I was in Las Vegas, and I I grabbed my 360 video camera. We drove up and down the strip, but you know, there's you could see obviously the big hotels and stuff. But what we did was we had a music marketing conversation. So it was interesting to actually listen to and be a part of while you're messing around, moving around your phone or your your you know your cursor to look at all the the big sites and the big hotels in Las Vegas. So it was interesting, but I'm utilizing that differently, right?
0: Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I, I like the, uh, the the concept of trying to get some engagement out of it because uh, you're right. Otherwise, why not produce something that's a little bit more uh, controlled and polished and all that? Because, I mean, certainly the, you have the tools that, uh, that give you the ability to do that. But in essence, you're going to create an event, right? You're going to have people there who you know are the right people because they're the ones who are interested in in what you're talking about and you have a sense that they might interact or that you're going to encourage them to interact. How do you, how do you do that?
1: Yeah. So for, let's say we use the example of, we're going to do a Facebook live. So I'm going to be on Facebook live and I'm going to talk about a certain topic. Let's say it's launching your indie artist, whatever song, right? (laughs) I I would love to do a little bit of a pre-launch idea, almost like you teased the audience here today, you know, in in a previous uh, podcast on Louis is going to be on and we're going to talk about this. So I would do the same thing on Facebook or Instagram or even on Twitter, wherever my audience is saying, hey, guys, I'm going to do a Facebook live on Friday at noon. This is what we're going to talk about. I might encourage people to even send me questions already so that they're excited to have their question answered and want to be on that Facebook live. And I'm going to encourage people while they're on Facebook live to ask questions there. It's not going to be me just spewing information. I actually going to answer some of the pre questions, but also read the comments and go back and forth which is going to be great. So I think that pre-promotion, and it's kind of taking the event marketing idea. I don't just drop tickets the day before the event, right? We have all the, you know, depending on how big the event is, I may do months and months worth of promotion, then tickets go on sale, then the event happens, you know? So I'm going to think of my little Facebook live, you know, talking head is going to be similar on a very small scale, and that's going to encourage people.
0: Yeah, I love that. That makes perfect sense. And I've done that with Periscope, for instance, you know, like I'll just set up a tweet uh, that goes out maybe a couple days before, then one a day before, and then the day of, you know, two hours before, an hour before, and then five minutes before, and then when you go live. And that's all easy to do where you can set that up, cue it so that you don't have to worry about it and and overmanage it. But uh, that, that uh, that can make a big difference to attendance.
1: And you might even utilize the ad system to promote those pre event posts. So you may be tweeting, but you may use the Twitter ad system to actually get it even further than your organic reach. Same on Facebook, that kind of idea. So you know, you want to give them the experience of when you're on this Facebook Live or when you're on this Periscope, here are the things you're going to learn or here are the things you're going to see, that kind of idea, and get them really involved and excited to be a part of that. And again, you can utilize a bunch of tweets or Facebook posts or Instagram, whatever it's going to be. You may even want to throw a couple dollars towards it you know, yeah. and advertise it to a larger audience than just organic. There's nothing wrong with that.
0: Right. I mean, the whole idea of these, these events or, or uh, these things that you're trying to do is to, you know, create sort of a community, create a sense of scarcity, exclusivity. And, you know, I think that sort of contributes also to an impression of you, the brand as well. Would you agree?
1: I do. Yeah. And, in, and a lot of that is definitely brand awareness building. You know, you may not be doing any hard sell at all. You may just be giving information back in brand awareness.
0: Right, right, right. And also keep in mind, you're now seen as someone who is out there talking about this. And then there's your opportunity to show your expertise and say, wow, all right, look, this guy knows something about this. Uh, you know, and, and, and also you get to highlight a philosophy, an impression of you as well, which is really important.
1: I agree. And you know, the funny thing, we, we probably hang around the same groups of people in on Facebook groups and whatnot. And we see each other doing that, you know, webinars or Facebook lives or putting long form posts, like a lot of ideas, great ideas. And we forget that there's a whole almost general population that just wants to learn that doesn't do that.
0: That's right. So,
1: you know, I forget that all the time, you know, and I put out some some, you know, maybe a good but basic, you know, tool. Hey, guys, on Facebook, you know, this is what I did. And it worked really well. And my musician fans or my my nightclub owners, oh, my God, that's fantastic. And it's just the basic something. I don't know what it would be. But we forget that the general population is just trying to learn and, you know, they, they get excited over the littlest things sometimes. And it's great to give information. So when you're giving out that stuff, it's not like you're giving away the farm and nobody's going to hire you type of idea. They're very excited to learn even the littlest things because they don't play around with it like we do all day, every day.
0: That's right. Yeah. They just want a practical strategy that they can implement, try it out you know, if it works, awesome. If it doesn't move on to the next thing, and that's really, uh, we we often forget that, I think. So, all right. Well, Louis, um, it's a pretty good lead in actually, because the thing, one of the things that I wanted to talk about and where our opinions might differ um, was just, I love your sense of, uh, in talking about email versus social and, you know, going against all of the blogosphere and some of those digital marketing experts that you talked about before, I mean, you've said that, social might actually be better than email. But you know, that kind of goes against all the conventional wisdom, which is kind of cool. And you know, with, with all the data that we have on conversion rates being much higher in email than social, can you give us your perspective on this? I mean, is there something in your event marketing background that helps you see this a little differently than, than, uh, than the current thread that's out there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love going against the grain, and not just to do, but to test things that are not being done. So, as you mentioned, you know, I, I had a, a blog article and uh, and a mini podcast on why email marketing, you know, is not as strong as social media anymore for for me. And you know, it, it causes a little bit of controversy. But what I, I'm trying to do is. Show what I have tested in different demographics and whatnot. And that's working well, just so that it can get out there that people can realize there are different ways to do your marketing and to get leads in, but also to spark a little bit of excitement on when that cliff happens, perhaps, and email marketing really doesn't work for your business or that guy's business or, yeah, you know, they have a, oh, you know what, this crazy guy, Louie mentioned something, whatever, a year ago, two years ago, months ago. Now I maybe can test these things out or to try and test them now so that you can bridge the gap when that, when that cliff happens. I mean, we all know SEO is a really big thing and not to say it's not now, but people are on social media more than searching on, on web for some demographics, Again, right. not for all demographics, but SEO may not be the strongest player. Of course, Google has changed their algorithms constantly. And, you know, speaking of algorithms, Facebook changes their algorithms constantly as well. So when we say, you know, pictures do better with links in them. All of a sudden they change things and it's Facebook Live, right? But the nice part about an article like that is I, I do a lot of user behavior studies. So my demographics when I'm working with festivals or musicians are Generation Z and young millennials. And I can see when I'm trying to sell tickets and we have thousands of emails where sales are coming in. I can see when I'm building campaigns and getting the user experience and the excitement of going to a festival. All of a sudden we get them in a Facebook messenger conversation and we can look at where the click throughs are coming through. They're buying. So when I say that now and marketers may be of our age uh, and have articles out there are saying, well, email stronger. What happens in two to three years when these younger generation are now the buyers for their demographic and their user behavior is different? I noticed when Instagram came out, you know, there was no clicks on Instagram. You can't click out and do anything that changed their user behavior. I noticed when Snapchat came out, I noticed a ton of Instagram profiles that were millennials all of a sudden switched to private profiles because Snapchat is a private closed network, right? I noticed these user behaviors. So I don't want to be general and saying, oh, email is not working, but I do want to put it <laughs> out there on. I, I've done some great tests and sold 20, 30,000 tickets to events and not based on email marketing. I still tested it and it was very low on my scale of success. So to keep an eye on up and coming, you know, tools and up and coming concepts in case email marketing stops working.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, there's two things I really like about that. One is it goes back to the the very sort of durable content marketing tenet, which is know your audience and where they are, right? So really, really important. And, and then just building something that has some longevity to it. So in other words, sort of, I, I kind of hate the term future proof, but, you know, the idea that it doesn't really matter where your audience will be, that might change. And being prepared for that is is really a good thing. But you're seeing ex- these differences now between sort of millennials, Gen X, boomers. Um, do you see that being different then with Gen X and boomers? Or is that the wrong uh, sort of way to, to segment the audience? Or what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I feel like the Gen X and millennials aren't even giving me the email as much. They they follow on social media, they engage on social media, their email box is maybe full or maybe it's not full because they're not giving anybody's emails, but it's just not strong enough. When I go to the boomers or Gen X, a lot of the times I'm getting that spam email, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everybody has a separate email for spam, right? So Why do we have that? Because we get lots of spam. So nobody can tell me, well, email is 100% proof still when you have a spam email. Do you know what I mean? Like it just it just makes sense that that may stop working. So it might work now for certain demographics. That's totally cool. I get that. And I'm not saying that Stop using email today. And of course, we're worried about Facebook taking away our accounts. And then all of a sudden we don't have Facebook and we got nothing. But that's the same for everything. What if email stops working? What if AWeber or Infusionsoft shuts your account down because somebody flagged it for spam too many? Do you know what I mean? Like there's different worries to have. And we can't just worry about Google's algorithm. And so let's not go do SEO. We really have to know where our audience is. So, you know, as an example, I get very high open rates and delivery rates, even to my musicians and stuff. But still, I look at the amount of effort and money it takes to do a campaign, get their email address, then send out the email. I have 30 percent open rates, which is awesome. In my industry, and then like 18% click through rates. And I'm thinking, all that work for a guy to finally click through and maybe still doesn't buy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm putting way too many steps in there. And it, it could be spam email. So the open rates is a spam email and they're not even looking at it. So I'm trying to look at that huge picture and then putting this article out just to drive a little bit of thought on keep an eye on what's up and coming and keep an eye on your own numbers in case you find that cliff coming. And then you're going to drop off that cliff and you don't want that.
0: No, that's right, and you know, here's the other thing about this too. Usually, my uh, tactic on this is to start with social as the awareness stage, the sort of handshake, and then build the trust enough for someone to give you the email address. And now, this is theoretically a closer relationship. But think of what you just said: when people have a spam account, right? For me, I use my Hotmail account for that, and really what they're telling you at that point is I don't trust you. I want the thing that you have. So give me your download, but I'm going to give you a fake address because other marketers have made me not trust you. And that's unfortunate, but you're absolutely right. That happens. And the cool thing is to go back to this SEO thing, is just that you have all these little uh, footholds on the web. So if you set up in Hootsuite, for, you know, to post to your Google Plus page or to Twitter. All those little posts are hooks in the web that, you know, should be keyword rich and you don't want to go overboard with that, obviously. But all of those provide different potential entry points for new prospects and or customers. I mean, to me, that's another big reason to just be out there in, in social and, and take it seriously. It's just for the SEO aspect as well. And email, even if you use MailChimp, AWeber, Mad Mimi, even with a, a web view, I mean, that's that's one piece of content where a social can be literally, you know, dozens or hundreds a week.
1: Absolutely. And you're you're so right to warm up your audience. And then... You'll probably get a good email and somebody that actually wants to hear from you, right? Right. And and to me, again, depending on your audience demographics. So I've noticed that certain demographics, if they're young musicians and I want to give them marketing advice, they're already following me on Facebook. So to them, they don't, even though they want to hear from me, and that's probably why my open rates are, are large, they want to hear from me on Facebook, post the video there, Louis. (laughs) It was the content there, Louis. Why, why do I have to be in your email funnel? So you really have to study, right?
0: And and you know, it it, 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 really, it's up to them. Mm -hmm. It's not up to to you or me. It's up to them. What they want is, I mean, everything that I try to do in, in, and try to teach my clients and my students, this as well is you are here to serve. Good marketing is about serving and it's up to them. Like, Sorry, that's just the way that it works, right?
1: It's true. I I, I sat down with a nightclub um, client, uh, potential client, uh, a few months back. And I don't take on too many nightclubs anymore because I'm doing festivals and record labels. So... I'm very busy with, with a lot of other type of projects, but it's a large venue. So, and you know, smart people. So I I have no problems talking with them and they were doing the same, you know, older, older guys. And I don't understand why they want to message me on Facebook. I don't want messenger on my phone. Why can't they call the phone just like back in the day to book their bottle service? And my reaction was, they don't give a, you know what, about what you think. That's right, (laughs) that's right. You need to play where they're playing. I get it. Things change and it's not the same. And, but they don't care. Like you can force them. The only way to do it is on phone. They just may not call you. How many people you use the phone as opposed to Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, maybe email? I mean I, my minutes are down significantly because I hardly use the phone anymore. It's yeah. just businesses change. And you're absolutely right to say you have to know what they want,
0: play in their sandbox, and be happy with it. No, but by all means. And and you know, here's the thing, when it comes down to it, whether it's email or social, what we're talking about is having the right person there. And that brings me to a thing that, you know, you've talked about uh, in your post, and I've seen on, on uh, uh, in your podcast, it's about audience size and influencers, right? Not to get hung up on the size of the audience. Oh, I have X thousands of Twitter followers or Facebook likes. That doesn't really matter. I mean, to me, I'm a strong believer in finding the influencers. Like if you can get the right people and bring them into the fold, they're the ones who are going to amplify your efforts. So can you talk about how, how you approach influencer marketing?
1: Absolutely. I, I Like you mentioned, I like to dig a little bit deeper on who the influencer is and what actual influence power they have. It most of the times does not mean the largest amount of people, but sometimes, and in, in, uh, you might be alluding to one of the blog articles I wrote where this small you know person had a hundred and some odd fans and was a fan of uh, one of our trade shows, uh, consumer shows, and they tweeted out to a large influencer, hey, are you going to be at the show? We were not fans directly with the larger influencer, the smaller one. I don't know how either was timing that 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 large MTV person saw the tweet or whether those two were fans. But that larger influencer caught wind of it and then said, oh, yeah, absolutely. I need to go to this this show. And then they came and took pictures and they're like they're a celebrity. And it was a big deal. And by no doing of ours, just by having the right timing, but by looking at the right connection, right? There's a little matrix involved in who's connected to who and why and how. I've noticed so many, you know, connections with celebrities and they're they're a friend with this random person that has like 200 Twitter followers. But there might be best friends for all I know. And they're they're not in the spotlight. And if you connect with them, maybe they connect with Lady Gaga. Do you know what I mean? So you really have to look at who their fans are. What influence does everybody have? And then try and decide who's best to utilize. Right. And it has to connect with your brand too.
0: Well, yeah. And, you know, there's the thing that, uh, you know, as far as counterintuitive strategies, I think folks who who sort of think of business as, I don't know, you got to try to amplify your reach and you got to try to find those folks who have a big audience, get get those folks to to vouch for you or to, to amplify your message. And really you know, the web changed all that. You don't need that anymore. I'll take somebody as an influencer who has amazing influence over 10 people over someone with 100 times the reach but not the closeness with the audience, right? Because if you know that person has very strong influence over those 10 people, that's so incredibly valuable because now if you get them on your side by providing them value and doing all this stuff that, you know, you do first to provide the value... I mean, they can now have uh, some real power over this seemingly small audience. But you know what? The web makes that. So, you know, you just got to replicate that. And in digital, you can do that, which is very cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that you're right again to say, you know, the quality of of the fan or the influence is going to be huge compared to just the broadcast. It might be an old school mentality to go the widest net. You know, again, we used to write checks to radio. They hit a wide net that's sort of in your demographic, either locally or the sound of music that, that they're playing, or it's an AM station, that kind of idea, and it's wide. You know, or we did newspapers all of the area or television, you know, and it's a wide net. But social media has changed the game quite a bit where you don't necessarily need to go the widest. If I do a Facebook ad, I'm not gonna target everybody in the United States. I'm gonna be very targeted. That's right. And that's extremely important. Um, you know, for musicians, there there was a great article by uh, Kevin Kelly, I believe it was the thousand true fans. I'm not oh, sure yeah. if you, of yeah, course, and, yeah. and, and, and that's that's great for musicians to realize. I don't need the major label deal. I can make decent money. Without having the part-time job, doing what I love with literally a thousand fans that are willing to pay, like his article mentions, you know, a thousand raving true fans will probably spend about a hundred bucks on you in a year with, you know, merchandise or one show and a couple albums, and you'll make a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. And that's generalizing, but it's very true to think about. You don't need, we better sell two hundred million albums and Sony Music and and then you still complain about not making money because the deal is lopsided. You know, like things have changed drastically and I think the more we realize that, the more excited we get.
0: Oh, uh, no doubt. I, I love that concept. I actually go back to that post, you know, maybe once a year or so. I have this saved just as a reminder because, you know, in everything that I do or, t- or teaching my clients, that's a really important uh, tenet. Now, Louis, um, I wanted to get in one more counterintuitive strategy because one of the things that I, I love that you've talked about as well uh, on your site is working with competitors To share audiences now for years and years and years uh 17 years to be specific i was in the publishing industry uh, mostly at large corporate houses and this concept of working with competitors is absolutely anathema to the way that they think of this right but I i would love to hear your take on this because in the digital space i've really only seen this in affiliate deals and, and of course, in brick and mortar businesses, it's certainly a much bigger deal. I, I had uh, Laura Nunemaker on the show. Um, and She talked a lot about how to draw people into the, uh, from the local area into her cafe and how it helped all the local businesses, hers included. Um, and I'll leave a link to this in the show notes. But can you give us your approach to this and, and you know, some ways that this has worked for you as well?
1: Absolutely. I I think that there's different levels of competition and, and when, even if I look at the nightclub and bar industry and there's, you know, every town has that, that entertainment district where it has a whole whack of them in one area. Yes, they're in direct competition with each other right across the street or beside each other, but I see them in certain respects banding together and working to bring traffic to the, uh, to the area. And those areas are nice and hot nightlife areas. So there's nothing wrong with working with the competition in certain respects, you know, and as another example, And bringing up either musicians for for myself and my business or other nightclubs. I, I have a Facebook group that has a lot of them in there. They're competition because they're nightlife and giving out ideas to each other. But they might not even be in the same city now. So now they're working together to share what's working in other towns or share what's working as a producer. So. I think to, to close yourself in, shut yourself off from doing anything with competition or even not looking at what the competition is doing is extremely dangerous for your business.
0: Right. The, the, the thing that's, that's kind of interesting though, is in, in actually working with them sort of sharing strategies and, and the affiliate deals can be really, uh, really powerful. Have you had do you have any experience with, uh, with using affiliate deals? Yeah, absolutely. I, I I put out a few ebooks years ago.
1: Again, I like to study internet marketing because it's very digital, obviously, and I can bring that to my industry. And, you know, having affiliates on board is is it just they're like influencers, right? Like we spoke about earlier, but they, they can give you long-term and, and wide reach, but in a specific target. I like to think about promoters in a nightclub as little affiliates, right? Where they go and they try and build up a little list to bring into the nightclub or sell tickets and they get their commission off of it. So I, I, I mirror what the internet marketing world is doing with affiliates and bring that over to the nightlife business and festival business and create that same structure. You know, I like using Eventbrite for my events and I know there's a couple other that do the same thing where I can create affiliate links. Guys, I know you don't have hard tickets in your hands because this is a fully digital sale, but go on social media and use your link. I can track it and I'll pay your commission with that respects. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a great thing to utilize, making sure that you choose the right people and making sure you have a setup process so you're not chasing people for dollars. And I know in the Internet marketing world, it's usually all done with a great system and PayPal will pay out. But uh, in brick and mortar, you know, you can give out flyers to people. You can give out, um, you know, customer retention type of ideas and and pay them or give them points towards coming back or towards sharing the the message. And that's a great concept.
0: Yeah, I mean, all those things that that help sort of incentivize people to, you know, to come back in, in, until, you know, at some point they become uh, someone who trusts you as, as a brand. And and I love the sort of bridge that you've created, or at least in concept, right, between digital and then in the real world. And I just think that's, uh, that, that's good just to be constantly experimenting and you know, I mean, you've been at this for a long time and in what's considered a very challenging sector. So is there anything else that you might like to share, uh, you know, to help our our listeners here, build their audience or, or maybe some pitfalls that you've seen in your experience, just so we can, you know, learn to avoid the landmines or, uh, any other things that sort of go against conventional wisdom? Yeah. Um, Always
1: be listening to people. Either go on Twitter and search for keywords that people are talking about, maybe your business, you know, kind of concept or topic. Jump in on the conversation. As a quick example, actually this weekend. Uh, twice has happened to me where I'm involved in all these, you know, social media, Facebook groups and just generic has nothing to do with music marketing. And I just check in every once in a while to see what's going on and put my two cents in my experience, which is great. And I, I contribute to the group, but twice this weekend, I jumped into a group at like one in the morning as I'm lying down with my phone, just doing a little bit of uh, research and reading some blogs before bed. And. Both times in two different Facebook groups, not music related, asked about, hey, I'm in a band. Does anybody have any you know experience (laughs) promoting on Facebook? And I jumped in and had a conversation with them and it was great timing. But you know, we're all involved in so many pages. We have so many friends, we're in so many groups, we don't get those notifications. And I thought, man, if I missed these, I would have missed out on some clients. But I, you know, also I would have missed out on helping them as well. We get so involved in what's my next post gonna be, and I have to put it out and then watching our own. Let's say our own post that we forget all the other areas that free business is. And you know, with that said, putting out posts, we got to be careful with automation too. Yeah. That happens a lot as well. We're automating everything just because it's it's a lot of work and we want to automate. There's nothing wrong with automating, but don't set it and forget it. If you set it out there and you put it out there and somebody's responding and you just you're not there, then what's the use of putting the post out? Now it's a hard sell. It's a push out. There's no two way engagement, and you're pretty much going to lose not only your brand, you know and you're gonna lose the, probably the client as well. Uh, this has happened so many times on Twitter.
0: Think of that, that actually has the potential there to make you look worse than if you didn't do anything at all.
1: You have to be careful, yeah.
0: Yeah, you, you really do, there, there's no doubt. So, uh, all right, well, Louis, um, it was great to have you on the show here. I just think these were some great insights uh, applying your experience in your own sector. And I always say this, that, you know, everyone is different in the content that they produce, the audience that they serve. And it's one of the fun things about what you and I both do in, in serving our own clients. So with that, it says, look, this strategy, your strategy, my strategy, that's not going to work for everyone. But hopefully what we've done here is, is just given people a starting point, try some things out that they might not have tried before and, uh, and go from there. And uh, so I really appreciate you being on and can you tell us if if you don't mind where our listeners can find you if they want to learn more about your approach and, and, and read your articles and such.
1: Yeah, you bet. Thanks for that. Uh, obviously, I'm all over social media, and of course, my blog and my podcast and links to podcasts I've been on are on my website. And all of that is my first and last name, Louis Lavella. So it's spelled L-O-U-I-E, L-A-V-E-L-L-A. So Louislavella.com or at Louislavella on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and Snapchat and all those fun places. <laughs> so I'd love, I'd love for anybody to to read and enjoy and definitely reach out to me. I love helping.
0: Oh, good. All right. You know, just for your convenience, everyone, I'll leave a link in the show notes so that it's real easy for you. And for those of you who have come to hear Louie uh, on this show, uh, this is Marketing Without the Marketing. You can find this on controlmousemedia.com or on iTunes. So uh, really glad to have you aboard as well. So Louie, thank you again. And to the audience, uh, thank you. And uh, we'll see you next week.